Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Are you obeying this most important law of God? This is the one that Jesus emphasized the most. And in fact, when you obey this law, it proves, it tells everyone around you that you're a follower of Jesus. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. It's wake-up call 088, the law of love. And this is yet again another Faith for My Generation podcast episode. I'm so glad that you're joining me this morning or whenever you're listening to this episode. Uh, Wake-up calls always drop at 6 a.m. on Monday morning to start your week off, and I'm thankful that you're starting off your week, or maybe it's midweek or the end of the week. I'm just glad that you're listening to the Faith for My Generation podcast, and I'm your host, AJ. I'm so glad that you're here today, and I pray that you're ready to study the Bible. I believe that you are, and that's why you're tuned in. Let's go to Romans chapter 13 and read a couple verses, but I want us to understand this, this law of love, the law of love, it is the most important law in Scripture. It's the one that Jesus made a point to especially emphasize. And when we obey the law of love, it shows that we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us and that we're followers of Jesus. Romans chapter 13, verse 8, it reads, Owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Notice that, verse 10. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. This idea, the law of love, is what I'm calling it. Or I've heard some ministers call it the love walk. Uh, it's interesting because, especially in Ephesians, uh, that word walks used seven different times. And it talks about the walk of love, the walk of wisdom, the walk of the Spirit. So the love walk is very um, makes a lot of sense because if we're following Jesus, we're going to follow in his footsteps and we are going to emulate, imitate his example. And his example is one of godly love. Now, I want to make this very clear. The word love is used to the point of excess to where I think sometimes, me included, we don't know how strong of a word love is. You know, I use this example a lot, but I can use the word love in a couple different ways real quickly and show you that there's different degrees and types of love for sure. For instance, I love pizza. I love working out. I love my kids. I have a daughter and a son. And I love my wife. And I love God. Now, I just use the same word to describe my connection and relationship to some things and to some people, some persons. But obviously, my love for pizza, which is my favorite food, pizza is my absolute favorite food, um, 
has no comparison to the love I have for my children. And the love I have for my children is not the same type of love I have for my wife. And of course, the love I have for God, it is the greatest of the love that I have. Because if I don't properly, completely yield and love God, I can't be a good husband, and I want to be because I love my wife. I can't be a good father, and I want to be because I love my children. You know, um, love working out. Okay, love barbell working out. Love martial arts. I love Western movies, old school Western movies. Again, we can see very quickly, especially in the nation I live in, U.S. I got, you know, we have a lot of international listeners to the Faith for My Generation podcast. Shout out to Germany and Canada. I think you, you guys are the two highest ranking other nations, but I'm thankful for you listening wherever you're listening from. Maybe it's the same in your nation. Maybe it's the same in your culture. That word love is used a whole lot. But I know specifically in the U.S. and Western culture, we use that word love for just about anything and everything. It's, in, uh, it's funny. I can hear my mom saying right now, you know, if I told my mom I love pizza, she would, qu- she would correct me very kindly, very meekly. But she would correct me and say, no, AJ, you don't love pizza. Pizza's food. We love people. <laughs> and only the way that she could. So the love that we're talking about, let's, let's make this a foundational Uh, core understanding here in this episode. The love that you and I are talking about is agape love. It's agape love. It is a benevolent love. It is a love that loves uh, uh, unselfishly. It is a love that is the God kind of love. It, It is a love that proves out the best interest of another person above themselves. It, it puts other people above themselves. Uh, it, it, it's to give oneself completely and wholly for the benefit and upbuilding and edification, the strengthening, the, the building up of another person. This is the love that God has for you and I. We think about it. The Bible tells us, uh, you know, in Romans chapter 5, let me read it real quick. Romans chapter 5 tells us this. Verse 8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, verse 6 tells us that uh, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7 says that you won't, you'll hardly find a person that will die for a righteous person. Maybe, maybe someone might dare die for a good person. But when we were dead in sins, Christ died for us. You know, John chapter 3, verse 16 tells us of the marvelous love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the type of love that God has for us is a love that loves first. God, we love God. First John tells us that we love God because he first loved us. God's love is one that gives. It's one that honors. It's one that cares for. It provides. You think about it in the nature of who God is. I've been putting up some reels, some shorts on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, just, just got started, but I have many more to come concerning the names of God throughout Scripture. When you see a name of God, for instance, Jehovah Jireh, the first time we see it is Genesis 22, when God reveals himself to Abraham as the one who will provide. Literally, it means, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And Abraham says, you know what? God, he tells Isaac, God himself will provide a lamb for the sacrifice because God is a provider. Well, that shows the type of love that God has. Because God is loving in a self 
uh, selfless, benevolent love, He provides. He gives. He takes care of us. Uh, God is a healer. Jehovah Rapha, Exodus 15, 26. I'm the Lord God that healeth thee. Because God is loving, He heals our bodies. He brings us health and strength. Stripes were laid on the back of Christ at the whipping post to bear witness of physical healing in our body before He purchased healing for the Spirit, salvation. Jehovah Shalom. We see it when God speaks to um, Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And he tells him, fear not, I'm with you. You know, you're, you're not going to die. And then there Gideon builds an altar to the Lord and calls it Jehovah Shalom. God is peace. In other words, I thought God was going to strike me down dead when I realized that this being I'm talking to is the angel of the Lord. But rather he brought me peace. He brought salvation. He brought comfort. Romans 5 tells us that as well, that through the blood of Christ we have peace with God. So God is peace. God loves us so much that He makes peace with us. Now think about that. God loves you and me so much that He offered peace to you and I, even though Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says this, For if, we were, for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So when I was dead in sin, I was an enemy of God, yet God loved me selfishly, self, selflessly, selflessly, excuse me, <laughs> say that five times fast, selflessly. He had a selfless, benevolent, giving, compassion, love toward me that even though I was an enemy of Him, he extended peace to me first. You know, usually that's not how it operates in the war, in a world of warfare. It is usually the weaker and the lesser that asks for, you know, surrenders. Hey, please, if I give up, will you, you will you stop attacking me? If I surrender now, will you call off the war? But God, who was fully just and fully right to wage war against me, an enemy, said, I'm going to offer you peace by the blood of Christ. Colossians chapter 1. So this is the type of love that God has for you and I. It is a love that gives. It is a love that helps. And it's the type of love that you and I should have. Now, who should we express this love to? Now, notice um, Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says this, concerning the love walk, the law of love, it is actually the greatest command. Uh, Matthew 22 starting at 34, says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now really, you might think if they're trying to say out of the Ten Commandments or some of the other commandments that were given, or in this day and age, some of the commandments the Pharisees had added on top of God's law, which they were wrong to do so. So he's asking, you know, what, what's the greatest commandment? Teacher, teacher, you know, and he's testing him. So he doesn't actually honor Jesus. There's a little bit of smirk, a little bit of, a, what's the word, a little bit of attitude, a little bit of a, sassiness to it, right? You know, teacher, what's the greatest law of them all? Greatest commandment in the law. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now that first portion, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, is, is called the Shema in Judaism. And, and it's in the book of Deuteronomy where Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. I think it starts in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then he goes on to say, you then teach the children, your children, the law of the Lord. And this is the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord your God with everything you are, basically. Heart, when the Bible says heart, uh, and if you didn't catch last week's wake-up call, after you're done listening to this one, go scroll back, listen to last week's wake-up call. He knows your heart is the title of it. And we talked about the heart of man, and then the heart of man redeemed, and, and, and how God knows the hearts of people. And... If you get your heart right, and, and when the Bible talks about heart, it's dealing with the spirit of a man. When the spirit of man is renewed and recreated and made alive by the life of Christ, and you get your heart right, then everything else in your life begins to work itself out. But we are to love God with our heart. Well, that's faith. We're to love God with our soul. Our soul is where our emotions, our intellect, our will live. And it says, and with all your mind. Now, Deuteronomy adds to it strength, our body. And obviously we are to love God with our bodies. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6 both say that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. So there's a way that we should live that actually keeps our bodies positioned in such a way to honor the Spirit of the Lord that indwells in us. You know, if, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and if you're a member of the faithful, you, you believe in Jesus, which you're a member of the faithful if you believe in Jesus, then the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Holy Ghost dwells in you. And there's just some things you should do and some things you shouldn't do. There's some places you should go and there's some places you shouldn't go. There's some words you should use and there's some words you should not use. There's some things you should watch and there's some things you shouldn't watch. And those are some do's and don'ts. But you'll get the do's and don'ts sorted out right if you get your heart right. And when you love God with all your heart, well, then the body will follow along. And obviously that doesn't mean we make an allowance for wrongdoing in the body, but I'm simply saying, and if you have to go down to do's and don'ts, then rely on the do's and don'ts until you build up that fortitude. But basically when you get your heart right, what you really love, what you treasure, what you desire, your body, your mind, your will, your emotions will turn toward that as well. And we're to love God with everything we are. That's the first and greatest commandment. That comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then Jesus said, and the second one is like this one, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now this one comes out of the book of Leviticus. Levit Leviticus 19.18 is where we get that one. To love your neighbor as yourself. I'm smiling. If you're watching the video, I'm smiling. Uh, audio, if you're not, just know that I'm smiling as I'm saying this. A big kind of <laughs> smile going across my face. I just finished reading through the book of Leviticus. Uh, for my second trip through the Bible this year. And let me tell you something. Whoo-wee! That's tough reading. <laughs> little pro tip. A couple pro tips. 
Leviticus has a lot of do's and don'ts. It has a lot of law concerning the priesthood, sacrifices. It's got laws on like, there's like two chapters like dealing with leprosy. Like if you find leprosy inside the walls, do this. If there's leprosy in the pots, do this. If a guy's got leprosy, treat him this way, clean him up this way. And it's like, wow, whew, that's a lot of detail for something that I probably will not encounter in my life. But it's the Word of God nonetheless, and there's a reason for it. And there's perfect, total, godly wisdom in it, whether it literally in that time and place or even for now when we can understand how the Lord works in us today. Uh, sometimes you got to kind of search for how it connects with you today. But a couple pro tips. When you hit the book of Leviticus, read Leviticus, then go read the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is the New Testament model of the priesthood, which you and I are called to be part of. First Peter chapter 2 tells us that we are a holy priesthood of God. Every believer is part of the holy priesthood of God. And there's a way that we should live. Leviticus shows that really well, that God is holy, so you and I should live holy. First Peter 1 says that. Be holy, for He is holy. Also, another pro tip, when you're reading through Leviticus, you know what? You might want to change up the translation to maybe something closer to like a thought-for-thought thought translation like the NLT, or maybe even a paraphrase like the Living Bible. And I've done that before uh, because I generally read in the King James or New King James. But when I hit something like Leviticus that's very technical and very in-depth and detailed, sometimes I'll change up the translation to be a little bit more thought-for-thought, thought, and it helps me understand what's going on. That's all for free, just a side note. But nonetheless, this second commandment comes out of the good old book of Leviticus, a, a book that you and I might not go to too often in our Bible reading. You know, if we open up our Bible, we probably don't turn to Leviticus. But guess what? Jesus said the first commandment is to love God. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And that came out of Leviticus. It's interesting, isn't it, that God, or our, the Lord Jesus Christ, He brought into the New Testament portions of the Old Testament, which means that it now applies to you and I. If it stayed in the Old Covenant, well, then that would have been fulfilled in Christ. But now it's been brought into the New Testament. And then speaking of Old and New Covenant, verse 40 says this, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets, they're different. They just are. The law is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The prophets obviously are the major and minor prophets of the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, basically summed up everything that God has spoken, given command. And commands are important because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. John 14, John 15, both say it. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Commands are important. So we want to keep God's commands because we love God. And guess what? Every command of God is fulfilled in love God with everything you are and treat people the way you want to be treated. A great example of this command of love your neighbor like yourself is Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Uh, I teach a boys Bible study on Wednesday nights at my church as part of a program called Royal Rangers. It's, it's like a, a boy scout or a scouting program, but everything Bible-based and scripture-based. And we have pledges when we open up, and then we have codes and mottos that we say before we leave. And every Wednesday night, before we dismiss, we say the golden rule as one of the three that we close out with. Sometimes the young boys that, you know, we got uh, from sixth grade or six-year-old to 18-year-old guys, and we break up by age and all that. 
sometimes the testosterone gets the best of them, the pushing, the shoving, the playing the football gets a little best of them, and they may not obey the letter of the law, <laughs> to say the least. But when it's all said and done, they usually make up and ask for forgiveness and they're best buddies afterwards. But they, they quote Matthew seven twelve every single Wednesday night. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Look at that. For this is the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's that simple. So when you read the Old Testament, I encourage you, you know this. If you've been listening to the Faith for My Generation podcast for long, you know I encourage you to do two things every single day. Pray and read your Bible. And I encourage you to go to church and be a part of a good Bible-living church. And you should be there at least weekly, at least weekly. You know, so it's so unfortunate. Again, in my nation, in the U.S., the average Christian goes to church once every five weeks. That's 12 times a year, y'all. That's absurd. Why well, don't I have a good church around me? Move. It's worth it. <laughs> you think I'm crazy, but people ride, they'll drive an hour and a half one way to go to work five days a week. Find you a good church. Be in a good Bible-believing church among other Christians. And you need to read your Bible every day. You need to pray every day. But notice this. When you're reading through that Old Testament, everything you're seeing, every do and do not, every thou shalt and every thou shalt not, can be summed up in treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, you're, and we started off in Romans 13. You're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to take another man's wife or vice versa if you actually treat that person the way you want to be treated. You're not going to lie to somebody if you'll treat people the way you want to be treated. I don't want to be lied to. Therefore, I don't lie to people. I'm not going to steal from someone because I don't want to be stolen from. I'm not going to take someone's life because I certainly don't want someone's life, someone to take my life. Simply obeying the law of love will fulfill the law of God. That's so good, I'm going to say it again. Simply obeying the law of love will fulfill the law and the laws of God. It's that simple. Now, let's describe this type of love again that we're talking about. We're talking about the God kind of love. The Greek word is agape. Agape. We're talking about the God kind of love, which is interesting because I just noticed this as well. In the book of Romans, every time you read the word love, it's going to be dealing with agape love, except for in Romans chapter 12, where it talks about brotherly love. Brotherly love in the Greek is philio, meaning brotherly love. And it sounds real close to a city that is in our nation, in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. The book of Revelation, there were seven churches that Jesus spoke to in the chapters 2, 3, and 4 of Revelation, or chapters 2 and 3, rather. One of them was the church of Philadelphia. Obviously, that was a church in Turkey area, uh, Asia Minor area. And that's where, of course, the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania gets its name from, from that, that ancient city. But... Philadelphia, good old Philadelphia, is known as the city of brotherly love because philio means brotherly love. Agape is the God kind of love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, this is probably the most read, most known chapter concerning the love of God in the whole Bible. You know what? If, if you've never opened up a Bible, you probably have still heard parts of this chapter if you just showed up at a wedding. I, I think about every wedding you go to, 
they read at least a portion of this chapter. And of course, it's on Valentine's cards and, and different things like that. But 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, the God kind of love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether they are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love, the God kind of love. So notice, what does the God kind of love look like? Well, starting at verse 4, it tells us that love is is patient. It suffers long. So it's not just patient in generality, but it's patient with people. If you're walking in the God kind of love, you'll be patient with people. Well, they don't deserve it. Mm, I didn't deserve it, but God was patient with me. He is long-suffering. That's what 2 Peter 3 chapter 9 tells us, that God is not slow or slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but He is long-suffering. He desires all men to be saved. He gives people more time than they deserve because he wants them to hear the gospel, surrender to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and repent and be saved. And it's more time than anyone deserves, but he still extends it because he loves. Love is kind. You know what? Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that. Just be kind, be tenderhearted, be forgiving. You know, if you're kind to someone, you're going to treat them nicely. I know this sounds kind of, to me, it sounds a little just kind of like plain and like, oh, well, of course, we need to be loving. But this love walk, it is a weapon. It is a fierce weapon in the hand of God. A believer that is walking in the love of God is mightily breaking down embattlements and gates of hell in their everyday life. When you walk in love, let me tell you something, you're, you're wreaking havoc on Satan's kingdom. You are, just bring, you are just forcefully advancing the kingdom of God when you walk in love. Because it truly is the Spirit of God dwelling in a person, and that's what empowers us to live and to love like Christ. It's not a natural love. It's actually opposite of what comes natural. And that's what makes it so powerful. It's what makes the love of God so powerful. Uh, It tells us this, love does not envy. It doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It's not prideful. It's not boasting. Love's not rude. 
It doesn't seek its own. Imagine how many sins and how many wrongdoings are done away with if you don't seek your own, but you actually ask the question, how's this going to affect people around me, people that are connected to me, people that are in my life? If I do this, how will it not just affect me, but other people? And you think, you know what, I might, I probably could do this and be happy or get away with it, quote unquote, get away with doing this. But it's really going to destroy or hurt someone. You know, I think about that with myself. You know, maybe I can do something, and but is it is it going to honor my wife? Is it going to bless my children? Is it going to help my church grow in the things of the Lord? Is it going to be a blessing to people? Is it going to bring honor to my parents? But when I walk in the love of Christ, I'll answer that question and say, you know what, if it doesn't do those things, then I don't really want to be a part of it. Love's not provoked and it thinks no evil. <laughs> it keeps no account of evil. Yes, someone may have wronged you, but love says, you know what, I'm just not going to keep account of that. What if Jesus kept an account of all the wrong done toward him? It would be endless. But he didn't. And he doesn't. Rather, he extends his love towards us. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. Now, this is powerful. Hebrew, or 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. I committed that one to memory about a year and a half ago. Because in, again, my culture that I live in, I know there's different types of cultures, different areas of the world, think a little bit different, act a little bit different, but I know mine. I know my nation, I know my people. In my nation, in the West, in this, in the U.S., um, when we hear the word love, oftentimes we are not talking about God kind of love. Most of the time we're not talking about God kind of love. In fact, people will say, I thought you are a Christian. You're supposed to be loving. And what they literally mean is, why are you telling me what I'm doing is wrong? I don't care. I know it's wrong. I'm convicted in my heart by the Holy Spirit that it's wrong, but I don't want you to remind me that it's wrong. Just shut up and go away. And uh, I find this oftentimes when I, you know what, I just I just got hit with a ban, a, a live access ban on streaming last week on TikTok. And I mean, appealed it, and 10 minutes later got, got the access back. Uh, but why do I get hit with these bans? I've gotten hit with three different bans on TikTok. Every single time, it's for hate speech. That's right. Your good friend AJ, host of the Faith for My Generation podcast, member of the faithful, right alongside you, getting hit with the old hate speech clause. Now, I'm not perfect by any means, and I can be a little hot under the collar if I allow myself to, and I'd keep that under. But I tell you what, I, I'm pretty even keel. I'm pretty easy, easy going, really, honestly. Just my nature is pretty passive and easy going. I'm not a hate speech kind of guy. <laughs> but why did I get hit with hate speech? Sharing God's word. Just simply saying, and not even like picking on people or anything, just preaching God's word. But when I hit someone's pet sin and they don't like it, they get convicted. You know, they hit the button, hopes that the TikTok will kick me out. But every time I get reviewed, I always get my access back immediately. Praise the Lord. But love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It's not loving. It is not loving 
to rejoice in someone else's wrongdoing. Rather, love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes, hopes, and endures all things. Love never fails. This is the kind of love that you and I are to walk in. Now, when you think about that, when we fulfill this, and this is a prayer, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let me be a living example of your love. And when he brings that about in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you something. You're going to walk real clean. You're going to walk real holy before the Lord, and you're going to be very meek and kind and compassionate, honest and sincere toward other people. Now, as we're finishing up today on this episode, this is a sign of following Jesus. When you obey this law of love, Jesus explicitly said, people are going to know that you follow me. John 13, 34 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Well, how did Jesus love us? He loved us to the point of death. He selflessly loved us, completely sold out, gave himself in service toward us. So we are to one another in the body of Christ. You know, Jesus said that I didn't come, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to be a servant. You want to be like Jesus? Be a servant. And you'll never be a servant until you get your heart filled with the love of God. Philippians 1 yeah, you could go on and on and on, but just to so you can hear a few of these, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, this is a prayer by the Holy Spirit that the Apostle Paul prays for the church in Philippi. Verse 9, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may prove the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So how are we going to prove what's excellent and be sincere and without offense? How are we going to be filled with fruits of righteousness? By abounding in love. By abounding in love, we're going to grow in knowledge and discernment. But it starts with love. 1 Thessalonians 3 is another really great one. Both of these I pray over myself and my church every single day. It is a prayer that I pray over my church. There's so many of these prayers in the epistles that I just copy them word for word and pray for myself, pray for my family, pray for my local church that I pastor for the body of Christ. First Thessalonians 3, verse 10, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Verse 11, Now may our God and Father himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you. Verse 12, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love one toward another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So how are your hearts going to be established unblameable in holiness until the coming of Jesus? By abounding in love towards one another. Because when you walk in love, you walk free from sin. When you, when you walk in the law of love, you'll walk free from sin. When you walk in the law of love, You'll honor God with everything you are. When you walk in the law of love, you'll treat people the way you want to be treated. When you walk in the law of love, you'll walk like Christ. It's just that simple. And it's just that powerful. 
So I'll tell you what, let's pray as we finish up this episode because that is our desire. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single member of the faithful. Our desire, Lord, is to obey the law of love. We want to love you with everything we are and love our neighbor as ourselves, Lord. Lord, if there be anything in us that isn't loving, reveal it by the Holy Spirit. We don't want any part of it, God. Remove it quickly. Pluck it out, Lord, by your hand and lead us in this law of love. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe it, somebody say amen. Hey, I'm so thankful for you. I pray that you have a great rest of your week. I pray that you have a great rest of your day. And remember, keep the law of love. I know you will because we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.